Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Well, hi, everyone. How you doing? Hey, before, before I get going, I just have to say, man, I love, I love being a part of this church. Uh, I'm so thankful for the way we're leaning into prayer to know so many people are praying. And I, and I know that even if you haven't been to prayer yet, like you care about it and you're excited about it. And I'm just so grateful to God. And I'm, I'm truly grateful to be a part of this church. And uh, so let's keep praying. Amen. Let's keep going for it. And, uh, Scott, you know, Scott mentioned next up, show up. We'd love for you to come. And I got to celebrate Alpha too. It's going amazing on Monday nights. It's been really, really good and continues to be. And so if you want to join us, it's not too late. Uh, are you all ready to go? We are in week four of Fire in Our Hearts, and we are spending time talking about, of course, uh, the stories, themes, and teachings from the book of Acts, and we're declaring 2023 is all for him. We really believe it. We want to give it all to him. We're trying to figure out what does it mean to surrender a year to him, but we're saying it's all for him. Look at your neighbor and say, it's all for him. We believe it. It really is. So I want to give you a heads up of where we're headed today. Uh, We are going to leave some time at the end of this message today for some extra time of worship. Uh, We actually intentionally want to do that because we believe... You know, that God wants to do some things today that it's going to create. We need some space for worship. A lot of times, I just want to give you a heads up. A lot of times we just, you know, we pray. We have one song. You guys are kind of mentally going, okay, we're wrapping up. And then we leave. But I'm going ahead and putting it way out in front of us right now so we can have expectation at the end that we're going to go back and we're going to start worshiping at the end. All right? So we're not done worshiping and we're also not done really uh, just seeing what God wants to do because I feel like he's going to move some in some really cool ways today. Sound good? Good plan? All right. All right. This week... Uh, it was a big week for my family. Um, we, we honored and, and celebrated and remembered the life of my grandmother who passed away at 92 years old. And this was my, my mom's mom. So we've been telling a lot of stories this week and remembering with a lot of really great times. And, and, and anytime you lose someone that's close to you, uh, there's a lot of things that happen. But one of the things that happens is, is you get pretty clear pretty quick on what really matters in life. You get, it's almost like it brings you back to center on the priorities and the perspective of life that you ought to have. And, 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 and you know, it, it makes you think about, okay, what are the ways that I'm stuck that I need to get unstuck? What are, where am I at high center that I need to get after it and go after the things that truly matter? Because you get to that point and you realize, like, man, your whole life gets summed up on a, on a tombstone with a dash. You know what I mean? Like, between, between your birth and your death, there's a dash. And you're like, what is the story of that dash? What is that dash really going to mean for me? How do I make it matter? Because here's what I know. If we're still living, we still have fuel in the tank, then there's still pages to be written of our story. And God wants to do something that I believe he wants to take us into places that we've yet to go. And those kind of moments, like we encountered as a family this week, it just reminds you like, how much our life matters. And uh, as a church, I believe we are in a season that... We have to have sort of this big picture, if you will, great purpose perspective that if I love God and God has got a great purpose for me, well, then there's got to be something in my life that he's still calling me to. He's not done. I'm not just sort of coasting to the end now. Like there's something else. And I believe we are in a season like that as a church where we are going to be crossing thresholds. We are, we are in a season, season of breaking through thresholds, thresholds that have previously been difficult to cross But God is giving us the vision and the courage to break through them. So that's what I'm calling this message. It's called Breaking Through Thresholds. And I wrestled a little bit about this title today because I thought maybe I should call it Open Doors. 
But open door sounds inviting, and that sounds really nice and simple, right? And so I thought, this is a little bit different. Breaking through threshold says something different. It means we're about to go through something, do something that wasn't easy. We're about to enter new territory. We're about to experience breakthrough. And I know for a lot of us, we feel a little bit more like we're closer to breakdown than we are to breakthrough. Are you all with me? Like, life is not easy these days. People are making hard choices. A lot of us are under financial stress. You know what? You know, a dozen eggs was 98 cents not that long ago. Now it's like $5. We're making hard, real choices. Some of us are living under not only a financial stress, but we're living under stress with our life in so many other ways. And we're just trying to keep and hold life together. I'm talking to people all the time. And I'm sure you do too about the challenges they face in life, the family dysfunction at times, or brokenness, or, or frustrations that they have with their jobs and careers, health concerns, diagnoses, all sorts of things. And it can feel like your life, maybe you're with me, it's more like it's duct taped and zip tied together before it just falls apart. And I don't know if anybody feels that way today, but I feel like some of us are just like we're patchworking our life. And it just makes me kind of remember a story. I, 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 had, a, I had a lawnmower one time, no joke, that I had zip-tied and duct-taped together. Like, the thing should have been, I mean, every time I mowed with it, I thought, this is the last time, it's not going to make it another time. But I would put another zip-tie on it, I put another, I'd slap some more duct-tape on it to keep the oil and the gas from falling out, and I'd keep going. And eventually, though, eventually there was a point when the, when the mower said, I can't do this anymore, and it broke down. And, and I th- I think this is what we do in life so often. We patchwork our life. We do just enough to get through another day, to get through another problem, to get through another hard conversation, to pay another bill. And we keep patchworking instead of having the courage to cross the thresholds that God has put in front of us that are not easy, but they are a threshold that's going to create a breakthrough to where we aren't going to experience breakdown, but we're going to experience a breakthrough that God can only give us. And I believe, like I said, we're in a season like this. That's why we're calling today Breaking Through Thresholds. I believe God's going to move. So everyone say threshold. Threshold. It's just a fun word to say, isn't it? Threshold. How many of you know that every great thing that God has ever done has involved a threshold? Crossing the line of faith. When you give your life to Jesus, you surrender your life to him. That's a threshold, right? You cross that threshold. Stepping into God's call in your life. That's a threshold. When Abraham, right, when God called him, he, he literally stepped into a new land. There was a threshold that he passed. When Peter and the disciples, they were called by Jesus, there was a threshold. They had to drop everything, follow him. Becoming a mom or dad. How many of you know that's a threshold? Wait, wave at me, mom and dads. Like we know, like, hey, everybody, like that's a threshold, right? New priorities, new love, new diapers, like all sorts of new things that are involved and becoming a mom or a dad, serving people. Sometimes we serve people that are very different than us. We cross a threshold, don't we, of comfort and convenience. Taking steps towards racial reconciliation. Many of us are crossing that threshold in our life. And I believe we are in a season of crossing not only new thresholds as a church, but I'm believing that we are even individually like many of you are at that place. I know I'm at that place. So 
because I still feel like there's more setup to get us to where we're going to get, I need to give you the definition of threshold, all right? This is what Webster's defines as threshold. Uh, a, a threshold is a strip of wood, metal, or stone forming the bottom of a doorway and crossed and entering a house or room. So every time you enter a house, anytime you enter a room, you cross the threshold. You guys with me, right? You got that? Get that? Now, the second way the threshold is defined is, is the magnitude or intensity that must be exceeded for a certain reaction, phenomenon, result, or condition to occur or be manifested. For example, the boiling point is a threshold, right? So when water gets to 212 degrees, it reaches a threshold, it starts to boil, and a transformation occurs where water is no longer water, but it is turned into steam, right? And so there's a question inside of that, even for us at the very beginning of this, what is your threshold? What is your threshold? What is the spiritual temperature that you need to raise it up in order to experience transformation? Is it 20? Is it 50? Is it 100 degrees? You need to get it up because that's what we're doing in this series. We are actually saying fire in our hearts means we are going to raise the faith temperature not only in the room but in our lives. Amen? That's where we're going. That's what we're doing. So here's what we're going to do, though, today. We're going to be in Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. If you have a Bible, feel free to open it to it. We're going to read a lot of verses today. Um, we decided a number of months ago, I say a number, a few months ago, that we would be doing this series, Fire in Our Hearts, and we would be coupling it with teachings from the book of Acts. And the very first message I felt like the Lord put in my heart that we would do in this series is from Acts 10, and we'd talk about thresholds. I didn't get the full download of what it would be, but I felt like, okay, that's what we're going to do. I'm going to run with it. And I believe what we read in Acts 10 is one of the most, if not really the most important moment in the book of Acts, but one of the most important moments in the history of the church. The story that we encounter in this chapter is a story of epic breakthrough, right? Shaping the church and the trajectory of the gospel moving forward. In Acts 10 and 11, it's directly linked to the historical progress of the church being exclusively a movement within the Jewish people to becoming a movement in the entire world. And so this is a pivotal moment in our story. So this story is a bit lengthy, but I want to read the, a big section of it. So we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to go through about verse 25. So stay with me. You guys ready to read the Bible today? Let's read the Bible. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what is known as the Italian Regiment. He and his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. So one thing you need to know about Cornelius right off the bat is as a centurion, that meant he was a Roman, which meant he was therefore not a Jew. He would have been known in the scriptures as a Gentile. So in Jewish world, there were two types of people. There were Jewish people and there was everyone else. And everyone else was a Gentile, meaning they weren't a Jew. Verse 3, one day about 3 in the afternoon, he, Cornelius, had a vision. That sounds weird, a Gentile with a vision. Everyone say vision. vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. And Cornelius stared at him in fear, as you do, right, when you see an angel. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. In other words, God remembers what you've done. Now send men to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with a different guy named Simon who is a tanner whose house is by the sea. So Simon the tanner had himself a beach house. You go, Simon the tanner, right? Plush. 
When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. And he told them everything that had happened, and he sent them to Joppa. So off they go. Verse 9. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry. Everyone say hungry. we got to get hungry in life. And he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance, and he saw heaven opened. Interesting language, an open heaven, right? And something like a large sheep being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Now you may know this, but in Jewish custom and in Old Testament law, it was, it was, it was uh, unlawful for a Jewish person to eat certain foods. There were some foods that were called religiously unclean, spiritually unclean. And Peter's like, listen, God, I've never eaten a lizard I've never eaten a chameleon. I'm, I'm not supposed to do this. I don't want to change color. Like he's, he's, he's all in this. He's like, God, I've never done this. Why would you call me to do it? The scriptures even talk about not eating shrimp. <clears throat> how, many, how many of you are thankful that when we follow Jesus, we have the freedom to eat shrimp? Yeah. Amen. Like, I don't know if I could do it if I didn't have my shrimps. Like, they're so good with an S, right? And so while Peter, while Peter, verse 17, was wondering about the meaning of this vision, as you do, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's plush beach house was, and they stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, everyone say vision. vision. The spirit said to him, Simon, there are three men looking for you. So get, so get up and go downstairs. Don't hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. God is doing work right now. He doesn't know what he's doing yet, but he's doing work. Verse 21, Peter went down and said to them, I have, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all Jewish people, even though he's a Gentile, right? All, and a holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, I'm almost done. The next day, Peter started out with them. And some, of the, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and he called together his relatives and close friends. Everybody's got to show up. Peter's coming. Verse 25, as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. Now this short detail in verse 25, it says that Peter entered the house. Now, I can assure you this is the first time Peter has ever entered the house of a Gentile. It's never happened before. Prior to this moment, Peter would have thought, this is completely insane. I would never do such a thing. Before this moment, Jewish people would think it's an ungodly, unclean, unthinkable thing to do to enter into the home of a Gentile. But yet here is Peter doing the unthinkable. Just like Peter said, I've never eaten anything unclean, Peter had never went into a Gentile's house. That would have been ceremonially, once again, an unclean thing to do. But here he is, 
So this isn't just any open door. This isn't just any threshold he's walking by. This isn't just any house he's going into. This is breaking through a barrier, not only of racism and exclusivity, but also a view of God's limited love. Like Peter at the time thought God's love was limited to a certain group of people, and God is changing things in this moment. He says, no, 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 my love is not limited. My love is bigger than you think. How many of you know that we can limit God? How many know that we can think God has got a plan, but he says, no, 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 my plan is bigger than you think. And this is what's going on in this moment. So God was doing something that's very important. Peter breaks through this threshold. He proceeds to share the gospel with the whole house of Cornelius. It says that the Holy Spirit came on them. This kind of shocks all the other believers. Because the Holy Spirit is coming on these Gentiles the same way he came on the disciples. They're like, wow, how could this be? Peter actually says, he says, well, I guess God has shown me that I should not call anything unclean that God has made clean. So we read this story, and if you don't know really much about the context, you think this is a great story about a man named Cornelius and his whole house being converted to the faith of Jesus Christ. But here's what's really, really interesting when you know the real story, is that, yes, that's powerful, yes, that's a beautiful thing, but Peter is equally even more so converted in this moment. He is converted to a way, a new understanding of the way that God would operate in the world. From this point forward, his faith and his, his love, if you will, was no longer limited to a group of people because through Jesus, through Jesus, there was now a new reality, a new way of living. And this is what Peter's starting to understand in this moment because what was previously a wall, God had now made a door. And Peter, to his credit, walks through that doorway. Everyone say walls. walls. Many times in life, it doesn't feel like there's a door to walk through. It feels more like a wall, doesn't it? And Peter, before this moment, this idea of a doorway between the Jews and Gentiles did not exist. There was a wall, and it was a strong wall. It had been there for centuries. In our culture today... We put up walls between our God stuff and our real life stuff, don't we? I heard a pastor recently say, he was saying, hey, you have your church life and you have your real life. And when he said it, he wasn't saying that in a bad way. He was saying that's like kind of a reality. And, and although I get what he means practically, we do this sort of compartmentalization in life, don't we? Where we start to separate, here's my God stuff and my church world stuff. I'm going to put it over here. And over here is like my real life stuff, my real world stuff, like my job and everyday things like errands and paying bills and, and my friends. And these two worlds, they can interact when I want them to, but they can also be separate when I need them to. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Am I just making this up? Is this a real thing? We kind of put walls up between the spiritual and the non-spiritual? Is this something we do? I think it's fair to say that there's a very real wall that exists between the real world and the church world. And that's exactly the way it was in Peter's day. Peter had a God side, a church side, the clean side, the, the, the spiritually kind of sanctified side. And then they had this other side. It was like, oh, yeah, I don't go there. I don't do that. I don't eat that. I don't talk to those people. There's actually a term for this. It's called the sacred secular divide. The sacred secular divide. And this differentiates what we believe and distinguish as spiritual and non-spiritual things in this world. 
The simplest example of this and the way we do this that I could think of was music, right? If you've been in the Christian world or been in the church for any time, we have two categories of music, don't we? We have Christian music and we have secular music, right? And so anything from Taylor Swifty to SZA to the Beatles, that's secular music. But the rest of the world just calls it music because they don't actually put that distinguishing term on it that categorizes it as something different other than music. And, and I think we do this in life. We have this sacred secular thing going on. There's been a wall built that has divided the church and spiritual things from the non-spiritual things. And I know like a, right off the bat, maybe you're thinking, well, what's wrong with that? And there are supposed to be some things we divide ourselves from. Aren't we supposed to say flee from sin? Doesn't the Bible say that? And of course, we want to set ourselves apart from sin, pursue holiness, righteousness. I'm not advocating that we live a life without spiritual boundaries in our life. What I'm speaking to is the sacred and secular divide that does the opposite, and it limits what God wants to do in our life. So not our divide against the powers of darkness, but what about the way we limit God's call in our life based on the walls that we've unintentionally or maybe intentionally built? See, we lack the boldness of seeing a, a world without walls. We, we mentally restrict, and this, this is going to take some thinking today, so hopefully you're with me. Are you all with me? We mentally restrict access for the God stuff into portions of our life and into places in the world. For example, we think maybe, even for ourselves, well, I can't go there. I, would, I, can't, I can't do that. That's not, that's not me. I can't, I can't accomplish that. Or we limit ourselves personally with walls that we put up to think we have a limited access to the world around us. Or we think, I can't talk to God in that place or with those people. That's just not the right thing. That's not appropriate to do. As if God is limited to our world's constructs of appropriateness. We think, well, I can't, that can never happen. That's an impossible idea. So we, we never get past the duct tape and the zip ties of our life because we just live in survival mode. And we just try and get through another day. And so we, we even limit ourselves in our own view of our, our passion for Christ. We think, well, I'll never be like, you know, those people that are really passionate. That's not me. I'm not that way. I like my real world stuff to kind of be like, I like to be relatable. And so I don't want to be too passionate. And we put T-O-O-O, too passionate, right? That was three O's. This is two O. We like our walls. We like our church life, God stuff, on one side of the wall, and we like our real world, real life stuff on the other. And it's cool when they don't interact because then we can be on the real world stuff and just sort of, you know, kind of be anonymously a Jesus follower. Now, this is worthy of note. Because the mindset of sacred and secular actually stretches all the way back to the constructs of ancient Greek philosophy. The writings of Plato, Aristotle, they wrote a philosophy called dualism. Everyone say dualism. dualism. Now dualism is a realism in this world. It says that there's two distinct worlds within the one we live in. There is a physical world and there is a spiritual world. And these two things don't interact all that much. In fact, there's a wall that divides these two realities. This is, this, is what, this is what Greek philosophy teaches. And this is important as we talk about Acts 10 because guess what? 
the foundation, the bedrock of Western society is Greek philosophy. So we grow up actually believing this more than we think. It's what our movies say. It's what our books read. It's what, it's what we're taught in school, that this kind of reality, that there may be a spirit world out there and it's a physical world, but they don't interact. This is where you get the, the, the mindset of like ghosts, right? Or, or even going all the way back to Greek philosophy, Greek mythology, they live in the spirit world. We live in the, we live in the natural world. This is, this is important because Jesus taught a life where everything is spiritual. Everything. Meaning the physical world is actually spiritual. There's no, there's no walls between the spirit and what we call physical. In fact, there's an open heaven between the two. Where the spirit of God and his angels are free to in, interact within our world. It's why we even would say, hey, there's supernatural giftings that God gives to people in order to act in supernatural ways. He took all sorts of physical things. If you think about Jesus' ministry, think about times he took physical things and made them into a supernatural reality. He took five physical loaves of bread, two physical fish, supernaturally multiplied them for the sake of a physical and natural gift. Because Jesus, everything is, is everything spiritual. Everything is everything is is for his sake. Everything is possible, right? There's not sacred or secular. In Christ, all things are possible. There's not clean and unclean. So, what are we summing this up with? Well, I think we sum it up with just this idea, right? May God give us a vision like he gave to Peter when he saw an open heaven. May God break our boundaries Break our limiting views, break our views, limiting views not only of God, but of self and of the gospel to where we could see the world without walls. You see how transformative this is? It's almost like, where do we hit that threshold where we see the world differently? We see the world like Jesus wants to see it. Hmm. You guys aren't talking to me much today, so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. All right, I'll keep going then. You know, our church is a living, breathing story of a wall that became a breakthrough threshold. I know a lot of you know our story, but a few of you probably don't. So I'll keep it brief, but I got to tell it a little bit. This past week, I went to look for a particular story in our church kind of history um, and, the very, and tried to find the very first time I talked about this story publicly. And I actually found it in my message archive back from April 4th, 2013. That's a long time ago, almost 10 years ago. Um, sidebar, how many of you know that I was, it gave me a lot of joy to just tell you that I have a message archive? <laughs> I have messages archived all the way back to 2001, guys. That's over 20 years. That's over 20 years. And I did spend a few minutes reading some of those 2001 messages this week. I'm just going to tell you, it is only by God's grace and his plan that he allowed me to preach God's word back then. Because it was bad, like real bad, like embarrassing bad. Like, like seriously, you'd be embarrassed to know me bad. Like I don't know why Christy married me bad. Like... I don't understand it, but here I am by the grace of God because it was bad. But I'll tell you what's good is my message archive is really good. It's beautiful. It's organized by year, by day, by, by, by series, by, I mean, I could find anything. So I kind of knew before I even looked. So I just want you to know that I have a message archive. <laughs> About 700 deep, just so you know. Just so you know. Flex. Um, so here, what was I saying? Where was I? Oh, yeah, April 4th, 2013. So I copied and pasted from that sermon 
a story the very first time I told it. And uh, so I put it on this slide exactly the way I wrote it. So I'm about to quote myself. <laughs> Excerpt from sermon, April 13, 2013. Message title, she is everywhere. She is the church. And speaker, me, a.k.a. Tim Mann. <laughs> about a year ago, this is 2013, so that would have been, thank you. About a year ago, when Christy and I first felt called to plant a church in this part of the city, the very first building we had a dream for a church to be in was the Tower Theater on Northwest 23rd Street. It's an old movie theater built in the 30s. It's an amazing space, but in disrepair. People didn't even know what I was talking about, so I had to explain it. We could see and we could still see a church that meets in that space. So I called the phone number that was on the sign in the window, and after several calls, finally talked to a guy about the space. He asked, so what do you want to do with the tower? I said, well, many things, but ultimately we'd love to have a church in there. He kind of chuckled and said, again, this is, this is literally how I wrote it. No embellishment here. Oh, oh, there will never be a church in Tower Theater. And there are a lot of people who will not want a church to be anywhere on 23rd Street near the Tower Theater. Then he proceeded to tell me about how I should look at property off 23rd. How many of you know this story? Raise your hand if you know this story. A lot of us know a story. Look at your neighbor and say, God can do anything. That was in April 2013. It was two years later that God provided the ability for us to purchase our church home, which is next door, right? And to build, to build that, that shares walls, if you will, with the Tower Theater. And that was our first official church home two years later. We weren't trying to get that building, just so you know. We weren't trying to prove that guy wrong, just so you know. We were looking at other buildings, but there was only one building that God let us to get, and it was that building. It was the only one. Then it was six years later, 2019, when God prompted the guys here at Tower to come and talk to me and ask me one day, hey, do you think your church would ever want to meet in the Tower on Sundays? And I said, hmm. That's a brilliant thought. Let me pray on it. If you think about that moment, even with them asking me that question, it's kind of like when God whispered to Cornelius and gave him a vision. You know, God, I, I love that because sometimes God whispers to people who aren't even in our church or aren't even in your life with a vision that's going to affect your future. And, and God whispered in that way, and it, and, and it led Peter, if, if you will, in his life, to a new future, and, and it really has led us to a new future, right? I can't tell you all the miraculous details of our stories, but I'll tell you this. We said, okay, sure, if we're going to meet in Tower, we are actually going to have to have a doorway cut through the walls between our buildings. We thought they'd say, no way, we're not going to do that. We're not going to cut through a two-foot wall or two-thick, two-foot-thick wall uh, to make a doorway. But when a wall becomes a threshold, so in January 2020, we, there was the first crack. And then here's the doorway that you guys walk through every week to get into this place. It was a literal breakthrough threshold for us. It was God saying, and I believe this wholeheartedly, it was God saying that I'm the same God 
that I've always been. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac, Jacob. And I'm the same God of Peter in Acts 10 that says, you know what? Where there's a wall, I'm going to make a door. And I'm going to ask you to have the courage to step through that so you can take the gospel forward. And guess what? There's a reason why we don't let you walk in the front doors of the tower and we make you walk through the OKC community doors. It's because we want every person in this church walking through that threshold to remind ourselves of the miracle that God created where he can make a way for us to walk into his future. And so listen, listen, here's what I know is I believe our journey and all the miraculous provision that God has done for our church over the first 10 years, yes, it has been one threshold after another, but I believe we are in a season of new thresholds where God is calling this church, not only into new physical space where we're crossing new barriers, but he is wanting to raise the temperature. So there's a transformation that takes place in this in this community that we don't even know what God has in store for us. And so here's what I know. I believe our journey of the first 10 years has been, and, and I keep talking about the origin story because we are approaching 10 years, as we know. So just get ready the next several weeks. It's gonna be about all the things that God has been doing, but it's more about how is God stirring for our next threshold? What's the next thing he's doing? Because here in Acts 10, Peter broke through a wall that had previously been impossible to break through, right? Later in Acts, the disciples crossed threshold after threshold. I love the language in Acts 14, 27. It says this, they gathered together. They gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. That phrase, open the door of faith, is repeated several times throughout the New Testament. And what's interesting about the door of faith, it was for everyone. It was for the Gentiles to walk through to accept Christ, but it was also for the disciples to walk through to accept the new way of viewing the world and viewing God's love. So both Jew and Gentiles had to make what was a wall into a door, not only in their heart, but in their life, and they needed the faith to step through it. So whether you don't know Jesus or whether you do know Jesus, sometimes we're walking through the same door. Sometimes we're stepping across the same threshold because God has taken all of us to the same place. Are y'all with me? How many know, how many know he still does the same thing today that he did back then? How many know that many times the walls that we think exist in our life, God is making them into a door? I know some of you have that testimony. You thought there was no way I'm getting out of this. There's no way I'm moving forward. And then somehow someone came with a three foot wide buzzsaw and cut through a two foot thick wall and said, come on through. So when we go back to this definition of the word threshold, the threshold isn't just some physical boundary for us to cross. It's a spiritual threshold, just like the 212 degree boiling point. When you cross it, a spiritual transformation, a holistic transformation occurs in your life. So I want you to consider a couple questions today and then we're gonna worship. What is your threshold? And have you put up walls that God says are doors? What is your threshold and have you put up walls that God says are doors? And here's my prayer today is that God will break through walls in your life, that God will break through hearts that have created secular and, and, and excuse me, sacred and secular divides within them. Some of us are living with those walls in our heart, one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. And God is saying, will you quit putting a wall between the things that I wanna do in your life? Break through to people that are putting up walls that we think are protective, but I'm telling you, not everything is protective that we think we're trying to protect. God's got you. 
You don't have to protect yourself in the way that you think you do. It doesn't mean that you're not smart. It doesn't mean that you're not prayerful or wise. But what I'm saying is when we keep the Holy Spirit and people and everybody at an arm's length, guess what? That's just another version of a wall. God is asking you to say, will you let me in? Because what does Jesus say in Revelation? He says, I come and I knock at the door. God never forces his way into our life. He comes with a gentle knock and says, will you let me in? And some of us are letting him into the outer court. And he says, no, 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 I'm not asking, can I get in to your life partially? I'm saying, can I come into the inner court? Can I come into the holy, and ho holy of holies of your life to where I sit on the throne and you no longer do? And for some of us, that's the exact threshold that God is calling you to right now. Will you surrender to him? Will you let him all the way in? Will you, keep, keep, will you quit keeping him at an arm's length? And will you say yes to God in a way that says, you know what? The spiritual threshold, the threshold that I need to break through is one of surrender. It's one of just trusting in him. Some of us, though, we maybe the wall is that you keep running into. It's time for you to just realize, no, God is making it a door. Maybe for you, you're ready to walk through the door, the door, the door that God has already opened to you, but it's going to take courage. Maybe for you, you're thinking, I don't even know what to think about all this, but I do know and I do relate with the fact that I kind of have this sacred, secular kind of divide going on in my life. I want more freedom and boldness to see a world without walls. So we're going we're gonna to worship. And here's what I know. As we're in a season, I believe where we're going to be crossing some thresholds. Only you can answer the question of what is your threshold. And only you can identify what you've made into a wall that God is saying is a door. So I'm going to give you some time to think on that. And then our worship team is going to lead us in a couple songs. And then after worship, I'll come back and lead in a time of prayer. But I believe the part of the reason we're supposed to worship today is I believe part of breakthrough in a church, in a community, and in a life is when we can worship with an unhindered heart where we aren't putting a wall up between our expression and our words. And where we come to him and we say, God, I think the threshold I need to pass through is one of surrender. And so we're creating a space of worship to say this is part of the breakthrough. This is part of the threshold. So I'm going to pray. And like I said, we've been, I already kind of gave you the prep of why we're making worship a little longer. But the expectation is for this to be a time that God will move in your heart and you can respond to him. So I don't know what your expectations were when you came into the room today, but wherever they were, I want you to just imagine maybe they're, maybe they're 10 stories higher than the floor you've been living in. Maybe he's taking your expectations that live here and he, today he's about to show you, no, 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 what you expected, I can do way more. And maybe that moment is right now. So Father, we give you this time. Do in us what you wanna do. Give us a vision like you gave Peter. Give us a vision like you gave Cornelius. Let us see the doors you're opening. Show us what walls need to come down. Show us the open doors you're creating. God, we trust you for breakthrough. Just consider those questions. What is your threshold? What's the wall that you've made that God is turning into a door? Let's reflect on that. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. 
If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.